Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle. Jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies. Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host, Brett Ramsey, where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Brett. How are you? I'm dandy. Oh, well, it's the new year, right? Are you feeling good? I'm working on feeling good. Uh, I know this morning I got my first workout in in a long time. I love getting a good sweat on. It makes my day better. Yeah. Um, So this is a time of year when a lot of people try to set goals for self-improvement. What are you doing that taps into that with your clients? Well, with our clients, one of the things that we're really trying to help our clients understand is to uh, get a handle on on their health as it relates to their finances. And that's a tricky question over the last couple of years, you know, with the prevalence of COVID and all the other health concerns that have been out there, health has been at the top of our clients list. But what we care about is not just their health, we want them to be healthy and live well. But we really want them to get a handle on what does that mean for the quality of life that I have? And how is that going to impact my financial decisions as I age? So we're really trying to help our clients in this new year get a handle on that, so that they can plan appropriately and make sure that they're using their resources wisely. Now, why do you think that health is so important when it comes to uh, planning your retirement? Well, so many of the tools that we use, what we're trying to help our clients do is envision the future. And what I think is one of the hardest things to do is to really think about 20 years from now. And if just, I don't know, have you had a a loved one that's aged? Of course. Everybody has, or you hope to, right? Yeah. And so as you watch that, I mean, can we go back to work when we're 80? Typically, no, most people can't. And so if we don't get things right now, it's really hard to change them when we get older. And so one of our biggest jobs is, and I hate using the word crystal ball or trying to forecast because that's impossible. We're going to make way more mistakes than we're going to get right. But we're helping our clients try to envision and think about the life that they want to have 20 to 25 years from now. And as a part of that, we have to think about what is the physical capabilities of our body? Uh, What are we going to be able to do? Um, Because that sets where we live, what kind of transportation we need, almost everything in our daily life that you don't think about hinges on your physical ability to move or not move, depending on where you're at. And so the technical term for it is activities of daily living that people use in the the industry. But we really want our clients to do is really think about what can I do now that's going to have an impact on me later, both physically and then fiscally, so that those two things are in harmony, so that our plans have a high probability of success. Because what do we want? We want confident retirees. We want people that have a confidence about the decision. And that's one of the biggest challenges that our clients have is that they just don't know what their future holds in terms of what their bodies are going to be able to do or not do as they age. So we're trying to help our clients get a handle on that. So um, you've had some 
issues yourself when it comes to your health? You've always been uh, pretty active and into sports and athletic. And then recently you've had some issues that have concerned you. Yeah, recently I've had some very significant things. I think the the first time that this really hit me that I wasn't invincible, because I think sometimes when you play collegiate sports and especially football, you have to kind of think that you are invincible because it's kind of stupid what we do. We run full speed into other adults and we hit each, each other. Um, and so I did the hat and there were repercussions to that. And um, I was probably about 15 years ago and I thought I had a heart attack and uh um, I was working really hard, uh, probably 80 to 90 hours a week. I don't wear that as a badge of pride or honor, but it was a mistake that I was making. And uh, I was running myself into the ground, living on quite frankly, number seven value meals at Taco Bell and drinking down two Mountain Dews, you know, driving till two or three o'clock in the morning to get home instead of staying at a hotel, that kind of stuff. And through all that, I developed sleep problems and I had a significant, um, uh, it turned out to not be a heart attack, but I had a significant event. It really made me reflect on, holy crap, this isn't right. And I also made the mistake of actually stepping on a scale. So um, I'm not afraid to admit my size or weight. I'm a big fella. I'm 6'4". And in college, I played football at around 215 pounds. And I stepped on a scale uh, after that when that whole thing happened, when they were checking me in at 293. Wow. Right. So I was a big man. And uh it scared me, right? I was like, holy, well, first off, I was like, holy cow, how did I get to be 293 pounds? And then I was like, oh, number seven value meal at Taco Bell. So I, I know what it's like. And then recently uh, during COVID, I had um, a couple of caught COVID. And then during that process, I actually um, was installing some equipment in my house and it fell and hit me in the head. Didn't knock me unconscious, but it gave me a concussion, knocked out one of my teeth. And then a few months later, when I was working out, I, I broke a, I broke a rowing machine, uh, rowing too hard, slid off the machine, slammed my head into the wall and gave myself another concussion. Oh and in there somewhere, something happened. And all of a sudden I couldn't hear out of my left ear very well. I had this massive ringing. Well, I had to go through a whole series of, of MRIs and things trying to figure it all out. But what most people don't know is my mom died when she was 48. I had just turned 50. She's roughly about the same age I am now. And she had a tumor in her left ear and that tumor caused her to lose her hearing. And that tumor ultimately took her life because it grew and the, the damage that was done in the surgery to remove it. And all of a sudden I couldn't hear in my left ear. I was about the same age as my mom. They were wanting me to go in and take an MRI until I got that result. I was terrified that I was getting ready to die. It was just that simple. I couldn't function well. I couldn't think about anything else. All I could think about and remember was my mother and what her end of life was like. And um, the only words I've got for is it scared the hell out of me, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's just kind of terrifying. And you're like, man, there's so little that I can control, right? And so what can I control? All right, I, can, I you know, we can go through them. You know, I can eat better. I can sleep better. I can hydrate correctly. You know, I can exercise and take care of my body. Though I don't have a whole lot of other things I have any input on. But am I doing the things I can have input on well? And so I just really kind of thrown myself into getting back on track with that and trying to make sure that I'm making as wise of choices and that I can with the resources that I have. And luckily for me, um, well, I don't hear so well anymore. So now I have hearing aids, um, but um, my body is healing, but it's it's a journey. And uh, but what I just uh, what I call is it, it kind of scared me straight. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine that sounds all very traumatic. 
it wasn't fun. Right. Um, and I think that that's why this is a hard conversation to have because most of the time as we're aging, when we're talking about our health, it's not fun stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not what we can do. It's what we can no longer do. And uh, what we're just really trying to help our clients get a handle on is what are the choices they can make today that move them in a direction that is a more positive direction. We're not trying to be prescriptive and trying to tell people what to eat or anything like that, but we're just trying to say, Hey, like, what can you control? And there are some things you can control. There's some choices that you can make um, that'll have more of a positive impact on you. And if you can build those good habits into your life, um, let's do it. You know, let's increase uh, the probabilities and the likelihoods that we're going to have successful outcomes. That's what I try to say. A little bit of my engineering background. What have you done that uh, made a difference for you? For me, well, one of the things I I always try to tell people when they ask me this question, because I have a lot of people that look at me now and they go, oh, man, you've kept the weight off, which is kind of nice to hear, right? I'm still a big fellow, but I'm less big than I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so one of the things I had to figure out is uh, I make this little joke is that you got to learn to love food that loves you back. So you got to figure out what works for you nutritionally. So um, I'm not trying to plug somebody else's stuff, but the smartest thing that I've done is gone through the Noom class because it helped me understand me and how I make choices about food and so many of the patterns and habits that I had and, and the little routines that I had about where I went to eat, what I bought, what I did, all those kinds of things helped me really uncover why. I did those things so that I could start to say, okay, which ones of these do I need to rewire because they're not healthy, right? They're not the ones that I need to make. That's made a huge impact on me. As stupid as it sounds, I don't like hot stuff. Like I don't want soup, but you know what? Soup fills you up. And so therefore calorically, it's better than eating a sandwich. Why? Because it is, it fills me up slower calories. Guess what? Calories in, calories out. I don't have to burn as many calories if I eat soup. Uh, so what I have to do, I had to find a place where I like the soup. <laughs> not Taco <laughs> Bell. Not Taco Bell, right? And you know, and I know that sounds stupid, but when you're in these little habits, like going to Noodles and Company and getting, you know, chicken noodle soup for lunch, instead of going to, you know, uh, Jimmy John's and getting a number nine with the chips and a Coke, um, at the end of that, I'm going to feel the same level of satisfaction and my hunger level is going to be the same, but one of them is 700 calories less than the other. Mm. Right. Okay. Make that change. Don't go to Jimmy John's go to noodles and company, right? Like, I know that's like silly little advice, but those are the little changes that most of us just need help making. And I don't like soup, (laughs) right? But, you know, like, you know, uh, eating a salad instead of a sandwich, right? It's another thing. The bread's 250 calories, right? Like, I love bread. In fact, I once defined myself as a meat and breaditarian. I despise vegetables. Most vegetables I won't eat. So you have to find the things that work for you. You can't go out there and say, oh, I'm going to become keto or, oh, geez, I'm going to go and do, you know, um, a South Beach diet or, geez, I'm going to go fill in the blank fad thing because it's not sustainable if those are not habits that you can continually do. So what Noom helped me do was define the habits that I could change. Let me change them slowly. And from a nutrition standpoint, you can't outwork a bad diet, right? So, I mean, the thing that got me through the early part of my life is I was so active Mm. that I, I 
once had a professor in college go, um, every time I see you, you're skinnier than you were before. And every time I see you, you're eating something. Do you have an eating disorder? He was genuinely concerned about me. I was like, no, I'm training for the decathlon. And he said, what do you mean you're training for the decathlon? I go, oh, I'm trying to make nationals in the decathlon. And he goes, well, what's that mean? I go, well, I'm working out about six hours a day. Mm. And it wasn't just little workouts. These are high intensity workouts. And so he actually, because he was my thermodynamics professor, and he actually calculated how many calories a day I needed in order to be on balance based on my activity level. And this sounds crazy when people hear this, I needed close to 6,000 calories a day. So my nutrition habits were jacked up because as an adult, I do not burn 6,000 calories a day. But when I order food, I still order food based on someone who used to need 6,000 calories a day. Like when I would go out for a dinner with the team, a uh, football team, I would order my own large pizza. I would order my own appetizer, my own basket of garlic toast, and I would probably drink four Cokes. And that pizza had 12 slices in it. I can still remember it. I would eat all of my pizza and two slices off of somebody else's. And I was still equal or losing weight because of how active I was. Well, that's not sustainable. Mm. But that set my food habits, right? And so I don't know what my clients' food habits are, what they grew up with, what was normal for them. But I know it's really hard for me to dial back portion sizes because like, I don't know what even like a normal portion size is. The little thing says, oh, it should be the size of your palm. And I'm like, I got big hands. <laughs> like, but I'm even like, that had to look little to you little i i and one one meal i had three steaks like that wasn't oh. even a thing right like i could eat anything right and so now the problem is that that i have to redo that and it sounds strange for a man that's now 50 to literally be talking about these kind of fundamentals when it comes to food but i have to because my mind is not right it's still a little warped from that time in my life when I was so active. And so then like what's been happening to me this year with a series of injuries that I've had is I built a balance in my nutrition plan that was based on an activity level that I had. And when that activity level drops, I also have to figure out how to change my nutrition level, right? I have to dial it back because I'm not burning that 500 to 700 extra calories a day that I was burning because I was going to the gym and working out or I was training for a half marathon or whatever it was that I was doing. So I have this constant battle of getting enough in to support the activity level when I'm trying to be active and then dialing that back when I'm not active so that I don't just kind of wrap. It's not even rapidly. I gain about a pound a week. And so what happened when I quit working out, I gained about a pound a week. Why? Because I was eating 500 calories a day extra, 3,500 calories a week is a pound. Boom. That was exactly what's happening. Right. So for me, it's not a lack of knowledge. I know <laughs> what the heck I need to do but it's that daily execution of it. And that's where having some kind of a coach or a program that holds me accountable, makes me record what I'm eating, makes me keep track of it is really crucial for me because when I lose that visibility, I float back to, Ooh, yeah, I'd like a slurge. I'd like a Slurpee. Uh, yeah, I can eat another slice of pizza. Why? Because I used to be able to do that. That's the hard part, right? It is for me, right? Yeah. That may well, not I think be it is for a lot of story. people. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then as we age, we naturally have to change our activity levels to match what our bodies can do. And that's my biggest struggle right now, because in my mind, I'm still 22 and bulletproof and can go out and do anything I want to do. And my body keeps reminding me, no, you can't. (laughs) I have to know, do you, um, you do not like soup. You do not like salad, but are you eating it? I am now. Uh, okay. So what I did uh, was I implemented a, a routine now is I, I try to take a, a mental break every day at lunchtime and I try to actually enjoy my food. And so every single day, almost there was one stretch where every single day I knew every restaurant in town and which kind of grilled chicken or salmon salad I could eat there. And I would just rotate around eating it. So I've got a Buffalo grilled chicken salad that I eat once a week. I've got a, another one called a Savannah chop salad that I eat once a week. I've got a grilled Turkey, um, uh, salad that I eat typically once a week. And these just became my lunch habits because then if I booked a lunch meeting at those places, that's what I'd like to eat there. That's what I would order. And so I wouldn't go to the places where I like to order something else because that's what I would want. <laughs> and so, uh, like I've actually got waiters and waitresses around town now that absolutely, when I walk through the door, they just go the usual and they just bring it out. They don't even ask me, they don't bother telling me the specials. Cause I'm going to order what that thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. And it keeps it simple for me. I'm a simple minded guy. I just can't, um, I can't deal with a lot of complexity on things like that. I've just got to be like, this works, eat this. Don't make it complicated. You like it, eat it. Well, and what's interesting is, and I'm, I'm thinking that this might be the case for you, the more healthy food that you choose in my life, I have found the more I crave that healthy food rather than the alternative. I, I would say that's true about the crave. But the, for me, the difference isn't so much the cravings. It's literally the fact that I'm simply not hungry. Like, it's not that I even crave anything is that when I'm on point with this, I'm satisfied. The portion mm-hmm. sizes are right. I'm, I'm, I'm eating at the right intervals. So I don't go too long without eating so that I'm hungry and craving when I'm hungry or craving, it means I'm dehydrated or I've gone too long without eating. Right. Those are also things that I learned that I wasn't getting enough fluids. Right. So that hunger wasn't hunger. It was dehydration most of the time for me. And if I just started drinking water consistently throughout the day, which is another thing that I've done is I've implemented a series of basically every other hour I drink eight ounces of water. Mm. Right. Why? Then I don't get dehydrated. When I'm not dehydrated, I have a tendency to not crave things. I don't get headaches and all those other kinds of goofy things. So that was a big part of learning it too, is that when I was good with my, with my water, uh, with my fluids that, um, I, I felt better and I slept better and all of those things kind of go hand in hand. Um, and it makes it easier to make good choices when you're not hungry, you know? And so, yeah, if I come home, I know what I'm having. Uh, That was another big thing for me is I have to plan out what I'm going to eat because I have to shop for the things I'm going to eat and I don't go shopping when I'm hungry and I don't go shopping without a, essentially like a a budget or a plan for what I'm buying. So then I don't come home with a bunch of junk. Mm. Right. And then I threw out all the junk. So, um, it's harder, it's easier now that we don't have kids at home. So I don't have as many different demands going on in our cupboards that as we used to, but when we had three kids at home, that was a little bit more challenging, but now it's not. So the right stuff's there. It's easier to eat it. Let's talk about exercise. You want a program um, as of right now? I'm working my way back. So last year, like I said, for a milestone birthday, I turned 50 last December. 
um, and I made a little deal with myself is that I was going to try to um, run faster than I had run in quite some time. I didn't want to run long. A few years ago, I ran a marathon and I'm glad that I did, but it's not something that was quite frankly, that was enjoyable for me. Like I don't want to go out on hour long runs or two hour long runs. That's not really fun. Um, but I do have a, a workout program that I really like. It's a high intensity interval program that's based on my heart rate. And I love it because there's variation in it. Every day I go there, I don't have to build my own workout program. Someone else builds it for me. All I gotta do is show up. They play cool music. They're encouraging, <laughs> right? There's all kinds of other people there. There's usually 35 to 40 people in the, in the program with me at, at any given time. And that it rotates. And so I can go there four days a week. And then a component of that was a, they, they do these benchmarks. And one of the benchmarks was looking at our, um, a mile run and I'm, you know, competitive. And, uh, luckily in the hour that I go in the mornings, usually about six o'clock, there happens to be several people that are very, very good. And, um, I love that because I can look over there and there's this cat named Shane and he ran college, you know, cross country and track, and he can still kick it. And he's in his, in his forties and you know what Shane's flying. And so what, you know, if we were out on a track, I'd be trying to catch and beat Shane. So guess what? I'm going to try to do that today. And it pushes me and I love that. And it helps me stay excited and motivated about getting there. And like I said, then tomorrow when I come, the workout's going to be different. Treadmill is going to be different. Rolling machine is going to be different. There's dumbbells, there's body weight stuff. And all I got to do is follow along, right? And I can go as hard as I need to go today based on me, right? I'm not trying to, you know, so like I'm a little stronger than some of the folks in there. So some of the things that dumbbells are heavier for me than they are for the lady that's next to me, but she's still doing the workout and she still motivates me. There's one lady in there. I'll tell you the thing that, that you want to like get right is when there's a woman that's eight months pregnant on the treadmill and she's going harder than you are. And you know, what? I'm sitting there looking at my sorry button. I'm like, man, you got to get rolling, man. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's going, or, you know, there's a, a, an older gentleman that's in there that's so dedicated and it just is encouraging to me. So when I work out, I, I do like to have a component that gets my heart rate up, gets me sweating. I like something that that's strength-based. Um, and so I use it. It's a, it's a gym, uh, it's all over the world. Actually it's, it's called orange theory. That's been my favorite. I've done tons of different workouts, um, throughout my lifetime, but I like that concept where it's a group class rolls me through a lot of different things and keeps me going. Those things tend to change too, over time, you know, it's like, you know, we have, um, you know, we're talking about cardio and running mm -hmm. and then weightlifting. And, you know, then there was the boot camp and now it's the HITT and, you know, all yeah. of these things. So do you change with the times a lot? I have through the years, most of the time, my workouts changed with what my goals were. Right. So, um, like, a, like I said, I did a lot of running. Why? Well, right, wrong, or indifferent running forced me like to focus on my nutrition and to bring my weight down. So I wasn't really running because I love to run. I was running because it, it helped me stay disciplined and got me towards a goal. Right. But I don't have a love for running. Right. I've ridden bikes. I've done, I've never really done a lot of swimming stuff. Um, I've done quite a bit of fitness related, believe it or not, to golfing because that rotation, the rotary movement in golf works kind of some different muscle groups than other things that you do. And uh, I was developing some uh, back and hip problems. So I actually went and started doing some special workouts specifically to do that. I've done yoga classes before, which I really enjoy. I think mobility, flexibility and mobility, I think is something as I age, I just realize one that I need it. 
it makes me feel better to, I actually enjoy it. And I know that sounds weird for a big six foot four fellow to be sitting there on a, on a yoga mat, but I like it. Um, cause it, it forces me to improve my balance. And, and I've done a lot of reading and research on how important balance is as we age. Um, and, but I, and I also would say that I don't care what age you are, you need to do some form of weight bearing exercise right? Why? Because that's about bone density and strength. And that research is also overwhelming that as we age, those, you know, our bone density will decrease and that weight bearing exercise helps improve that, which means that we're less likely to have falls that result in catastrophic breaks and damage. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's, that's hard for some people to hear, but and it doesn't have to be like heavy weights, but you, you got to do a little something there. So I think weight training of uh, strength training of some level is always going to be a part of my routine. Um, but I don't want to get big anymore. I'm just really want to get to where I'm not frail. Mm -hmm. You don't look frail, not a frail fella. No, but at the know. same time, I can tell you when I'm not doing like stretching and yoga and stuff like that, like I, uh, because of this injury I've had, I, I, I sprained my knee, my MCL. And so I couldn't do a lot of lateral movements. And so my stretching has decreased over the last few weeks and just like standing around or sitting, all of a sudden, you know, my back is tight. I'm, I'm miserable. And so like, to be honest, to be active is not just like, it's like, I don't want to say it's a drug, but it's, it like feeds me. It fuels me. Like it makes me feel better. makes me have more energy, makes my days go better. So what is your, um, health plan as of right now? What are the things that you do on a regular basis? Well, like I said, what I'd like to do is have uh, a design physical activity like four days a week. Um, I like to have a, a nutrition plan where right now I'm, I'm experimenting with some intermittent fasting. I, that might, it's kind of a buzzword right now, but there's a lot of research on that is very, very impactful to mental aspects as we age. Won't bore everybody with that today, but they should go look that up is there's a lot of work that's being done around Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that. And what they are finding is that intermittent fasting helps control the hormone levels that, that impact that pretty significantly. So I've been doing that because, uh, um, I'm, uh, I've gotten hit in the head a lot, right. We're playing football as I definitely had some concussions. I've had two concussions in the last three years. I'm not saying that I'm slipping, but I do know that I need to be very mindful of keeping not just my body right, but my mind right. So I'm working very hard on what are the things that I can control to keep my mind right. Like right now, health related, I'm taking a reading course on how to read faster, right? So that I can keep my mind engaged and make sure that I'm mentally sharp as I age, right? Um, and so I'm learning about that because it's cognitive skills are the same as physical skills. Can I lift a weight? Well, how can I lift my mind? So I'm trying to do things like that as a part of my current health journey. I did some, I did a bunch of blood work this year that I thought was going to be more impactful. Turned out I was like ridiculously healthy. I was not expecting that. I was expecting it to reveal that I had a lot of things I needed to change in terms of my diet and nutrition. And it didn't, it said that everything was really good. So I was really prepared to talk about that a lot. And it was a big nothing for me. Hmm. Well, but that's good news. It was good, but, um, I do believe that there are like you have to establish a baseline, right? You have to know like, what are these things? So having a doctor or a process that you keep coming back to, to kind of benchmark your health, 
um, I do think is crucial, right? And so that's what I'm working on right now is getting those benchmarks for, like I said, physical health, mental health. Also think there's some um, spiritual health that really matters. A lot of the research that I do and related to how we age, um, that if your relationships are not healthy, you're going to have some issues as you age. Um, and so like, I'm working really hard on that right now as a part of my health journey is what are the most important relationships in my life and are they healthy and what can I do to impact that? So, um, there's a lot to this. That's not just, you know, eat right, go to the gym. There is a lot to this. My goodness. You're <laughs> I'm exhausted. Just listening to you. It's a, it's a long day being me. <laughs> Starts, right. at, starts at 5 45 in the morning. We go to the gym at 6 05. We try to be in the bed by 10 so that we get quality night's sleep. Yeah. All oh, right. So I almost we... forgot that. I track I track my sleep patterns every single day. Okay. Do you do that through like um through right now? I'm using a program. Uh, it's called Whoop. Okay. I used to use a Fitbit. Uh I don't know which one I like better. I'm not endorsing anything, but you got to know how you're sleeping. Because uh, that was the thing that actually came out when I told you I thought I had the heart attack. They actually did a sleep study and I have sleep apnea and it was caused by um, some acid reflux problems I was having at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was sleeping terribly and it was compounding how miserable I was feeling. So I was feeling more tired, drinking more caffeine, blah, blah, blah. It was a bad cycle. So um, I really take sleeping seriously. Mm. Yeah, as you should. It, it, it it really helps with so many things. Everything. I, I know I haven't vet, met very many people that sleep poorly that are healthy and happy. Good point. So what do we have coming up on the next episode, Brett? Well, the next episode that we're going to do is with, uh, we have a toolkit that we're launching on our website. That's a health and longevity optimizer. It's short halo for short. We've got someone from that organization that's going to come in and talk to us about exactly what that is. It's a survey system to help our clients actually establish this baseline on where they're at currently in their health. What are some of the simple actions that they can take to try to quote unquote, improve their health and longevity and optimize it, hence its name. And she's going to talk to us about that background of how that works and, and what that's about. Because once again, we want our clients to establish a baseline so that we're planning to what them, what's unique to them. Uh, and just as a quick aside, I was literally with one of our new clients and we were going through this process with them. And when we pick the starting point for what their expectation for lifespan was, he got this weird look on his face. And I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm not living that long. And then we went in and started answering these questions. And to be blunt, it brought his life expectancy down by about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a bad thing. He saw that as a good thing because it gave him, and I know this sounds weird. It gave him the permission to start making the lifestyle and decisions that he needed to make to enjoy the life that he was most likely going to live. Because a lot of those things were based on genet genetic things he had no control over, mm -hmm. but there wasn't a man in his family that had lived past 76. So to put out a financial plan to 86 seemed moronic to him. And he couldn't get, quite frankly, he couldn't get engaged in that process. Once we got the life expectancy based on real data, his data to a number that he's like, yes, now we can start doing this work because that is most likely the life I'm going to have. And that's why he wants to retire early. And he was having a hard time discussing that with his wife because she didn't want to think about the reality that he wouldn't live that long. 
he knew that was the high probability reality and he wanted to retire and enjoy now mm. instead of waiting. And he couldn't figure out how to communicate that with her. It was one of the most powerful things that I've done as an advisor in the last year was helping them unlock that conversation. And it started with us really talking about his health and her health and what the probabilities of their money lasting. And that, that, that's why we do this. Wendy, is we help people not create some never, never land reality that they can't get. That's Disneyland every day. What we help them do is build the life that they really want to build with the tools that they have and help them do it confidently. Right. So I love this topic, but it's not always hearts and flowers, right? Sometimes it's the hard reality is that some people have things that aren't easy to overcome, or they're not going to overcome them. And we need to move into that reality wisely and make smart choices based on that. It can be a tough conversation for sure, but one that needs to happen. Yes, it does. So how can people get in touch with you, Brett? Well, I love it when people uh, like our podcast, because that's important. But I also like when they come to our website, which is www.artisanwealthstrategies.com. And on there, you'll find my email address and my phone number, which is 317-660-2855. Call me. I'd love to talk to you. And I'd love to get to know your situation and help you figure out how to get your confident retirement. Well, thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.